do we see at Groundswell this year, the 26th and 27th of June, close to London, UK? Many friends of the podcast will be there. John Kempf, Abby Rose, Benedict Bozo, Henry Dimbleby, Claire Hill, Russ Carrington, Andy Cato, Tim Coates, and many, many more. See you there. Why is a $1.3 trillion asset manager asking questions about soil health? Find out in this interview. Welcome to another episode of Investing in Regenerative Agriculture, Investing as if the Planet Mattered, a podcast show where I talk to the pioneers in the regenerative food and agriculture space to learn more on how to put our money to work to regenerate soil, people, local communities and ecosystems while making an appropriate and fair return. Why my focus on soil and regeneration? Because so many of the pressing issues we face today have their roots in how we treat our land, grow our food and what we eat. And it's time that we as investors, big and small and consumers, start paying much more attention to the dirt slash soil underneath our feet. In March last year, we launched our Patreon community to make it easy for fans to support our work. And so many of you have joined as a member. We've launched different types of benefits, exclusive content, Q&A webinars with former guests, Ask Me Anything sessions, plus so much more to come in the future. For more information on the different tiers, benefits and how to become a member, check patreon.com slash regenerative agriculture or find the link below. Thank you. Welcome to another episode of Investing in Regenerative Agriculture. Today I'm joined by Jasmine Swan, Sustainability Analyst at Legal and General Investment Management, one of the largest asset managers in Europe with over 1.3 trillion, that's a T, assets under management. And we're going to explore why a large asset manager is asking questions about soil health and how they are trying to influence the companies they invested in. Welcome, Jasmine. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. And could you describe a bit for the audience that's not so familiar with, let's say, the institutional finance world, what legal in general is and what they represent and how they work or how you work? Yeah, absolutely. So Algen or Legal and General Investment Management, um, we are the asset management arm of Legal and General Group, which is a FTSE 100 company based here in Europe. But we also have offices in the US, uh, Hong Kong and Tokyo. And as you mentioned, we are one of the largest European asset managers and, and a global investor. And we work with both institutional and retail clients offering them strategies across the full spectrum of asset classes, um, including equities, bonds, uh, real assets, um, as well as multi-asset strategies and liability-driven investments. And I sit in the corporate governance team here at Algen, which is responsible for our stewardship activities. So essentially, as a major shareholder, we have a responsibility to engage with companies on behalf of our clients' assets that we look after, to engage with the companies in our portfolio to ensure that they are appropriately managing uh, key material risks, such as climate change. And that takes up a big part of my role. Yeah, you mentioned climate change. I mean, I think and I hope and I imagine it's on the agenda of all asset managers, all institutional players that are managing large portfolios. But then we got introduced actually through Andrew of Soil Capital, who mentioned there's an asset manager that's actually asking questions about soil health. So how did it come about that within your risk discussions, within the discussions you have with these companies, that you're starting to asking questions about soil health, which is very specific and very particular, obviously not on this podcast, but in, I think, the asset owner and the institutional world quite a bit. It, it is. And I, I've definitely had 
people say to me that it, it sounds like an investor getting a bit too far into the weeds, uh, no no pun intended. Um, but the, the reason why we look at soil health is that, you know, as I mentioned, we, we believe that climate change is, is one of, if, the, if not the most significant risk um, facing the global economy and then in turn our, our clients' uh, assets in, in the medium to long term. And why soil? It's because improving soil health is really one of the key levers that the world has to pull in order to tackle climate change and reduce greenhouse gas emissions. So when we look at climate change and the food companies in, in our portfolio, we see a really big challenge for the industry, which is that in order to meet the demands of a 1.5 degree Celsius trajectory by 2050, the world uh, needs to be able to feed a population ballooning to 10 billion people, uh, all the while reducing our agricultural emissions by two-thirds um, and uh, doing all of this without expanding agricultural land by even so much as a, as a square foot. Um, and linking all of this back to soil health, if you're a global food company, right now you have a problem in the sense that your supply chain is likely climate negative. You'll be sourcing, um, though often indirectly, of course, from farms which deforest and douse the soil with, with chemicals. And if you want to make sure that your company is, is actually aligning itself with a well below two degree trajectory and that your um, supply chain is resilient in a world grappling with both the transitional and the physical um, risks and impact of climate change, um, which indeed a lot of food companies have actually committed themselves to doing, then working with your suppliers uh, as a global food company to improve soil health should be really one of the key components of your strategy. So that's that's the why soil, essentially. No, I think it's great to hear that coming from one of the large asset owners, as I think on this podcast and, and the people listening, they understand the why, but they haven't seen it so well, let's say, structured and mentioned in the mainstream financial sector. So how has been the response when you, you go to the major food companies that are in your portfolios and, and in the different strategies and the different mandates you manage? How has been the response when you put uh, your soil questions on the table? Um, so, and so just I'll start with giving some context around our, our engagement work. So we, we do not engage on behalf of sort of a specific fund or, or a specific strategy, but rather the, uh, the engagement work that we do is, is run uh, centralized from the, the corporate governance team that I sit um, in. So our team is, is engaging uh, on behalf of all of our uh, 1.3 trillion. Okay in assets but the response and, and yeah the response that's a it's a good question so it's it's really dependent uh on the companies that we speak with so we we engage with about um 10 to 15 of the world's largest um global packaged food manufacturers and and i will say in some meetings with food companies they are they are already way ahead of us you know they can explain to us exactly what they're doing and how they're thinking about this and and what they're investing and and what the programs look like and uh how they're working with suppliers and the kind of targets that they're setting themselves um and and it's it's very clear that they have a, a very sort of sophisticated robust understanding of of this issue and and the risks and that they have a um a robust plan in place to to try and tackle it. And then we, we speak with some companies where 
they've appreciated that soil health is a, is a key risk for them to manage and they're beginning to look at it and implement a strategy, but it's, it's much more sort of early days. And then with other companies, it's, um, it's much more early um, and it's, it's viewed as a sort of, then on the other end of the spectrum uh, for other companies, they've really not started looking at this topic. Uh, it doesn't seem like it's it's something that's yet on their radar. Um, and and I, and I think we've had some companies be quite surprised actually that we're going into so much depth uh, on this topic. So so the range of responses has, has been quite varied, to be honest. And when you look at that group of, let's say, the 15 largest food companies, like the pioneers, are, is that a group of 10? Is that a group of two or three? Obviously, you don't have to name them or mention them, but what is more or less the the breakdown of the different responses we've seen so far from the pioneers, the interested ones, and the very surprised ones? Is that a, is that a nice one, two, three, like a, divided in three? Or, or do you see a, quite a few pioneers, for instance? I'd say it's a relatively even um so we have a, I'd say there are about four or five companies that are are really pioneering this and, and already have robust strategies in place. Um, and then I'd say there's about maybe um, five or six, seven companies um, where it's much more early days um, and, and they've really not started thinking about this in a, in a holistic way yet. Um, I'd say, and, and then the rest is, is somewhere in the middle on that journey, I would say. And when you engage and have those discussions, what do you ask from them? Let's say they don't have this holistic view and they don't have this set of what they're measuring, etc. What do you ask from a company in this engagement? What they should report or what do you, would you like to see from them? Sure. Um, so, so, yeah, so we, we tend to couch it in in this language that you just said that we, we wanted them to to demonstrate to us that they're looking at, at climate mitigation and resilience from, from a holistic perspective and, and really recognizing that uh, meeting the Paris Agreement will need to make significant changes to the ways that we produce and, and source food. So the way this would manifest is that, for example, we'll look um, for companies and ask companies that in their sustainability or in their annual reports, preferably, um, that they should be discussing the risks to, to their business associated with soil health so, for example, um, we look for them to discuss how deteriorating soil health um, threatens agricultural resilience, um, it threatens the soil's resilience to drought and in turn crop productivity, and then what the implications of all of this is for, for the business and its supply chain. Um, and conversely, we also um, ask companies to, to also discuss the opportunities piece. So, so on the flip side, looking for, for companies to also recognize that um, uh, on the flip side, also looking for companies to to recognize the opportunity that improving soil health presents to them, um, because as I said before, the, um, currently their supply chains are, are very likely climate negative, um, whereas improving soil health uh, provides um, a mean for means for your company and your wider supply chain to to offer a, a climate solution in the sense that improving soil health uh, means improving the the soil's capacity for agricultural carbon sequestration. And since when have you, let, let me ask two questions in one. Uh, since when have you been asking or having these dialogues and conversations and have you seen large shifts already, maybe in the responses, maybe also in disclosure? Have you seen changes basically since the moment, maybe not all, uh, obviously, your uh, positive impact because the whole world starts to slowly wake up to soil health, but definitely part of that is your impact because you're discussing that with these companies. Have you seen since you started changes in responses in 
disclosures? Have you seen positive changes of the involvement you've made? Let me just add one more thing to the the other question that you asked because uh, I I think it's it's relevant and then I'll and then I'll answer this question. Um, so another thing that we also ask companies for in in our engagements with them is whether they have a view on what percentage of their um, at least their direct sourcing that is compliant with the standard laid out in the EU green taxonomy on on agriculture. Um, which, of course, um, lays out measures to to improve soil health. And you know, we're very we're very open in, in our engagements with companies, saying that you know we understand that the EU taxonomy is, is very is very new. Um, it was only released this this past summer, um, but over time, this is a metric that we would expect food companies to start to measure. Yeah, I had a discussion with Andrew. I think just. After the summer, on uh, actually on, we did a short interview on the taxonomy and why it matters not only for European investors but actually for the whole sector and, and for investors all around the world. It was very, it's very interesting. It's very detailed, but it's quite surprising how how detailed and how far it goes on soil health and that it managed to get into the taxonomy. Absolutely, and I think it's it's really encouraging because I think to date um, there's not really been we've not really had sort of an official framework to define what good looks like in terms of agricultural sourcing. So in that sense, I think it is, is very, very, very helpful. Um, all right. Can you, uh, sorry, can you remind me again what the next question was? Yeah, sure. So since when have you been engaging on, I mean, on climate change, obviously for a long time, but on soil health specifically, and have you seen large uh, or have you seen changes, hopefully large, but have you seen changes, positive changes in that period until now, basically the beginning of 2020? Mm. So we, in uh, 2019, we did a review of the methodology that we used to assess food companies on, on climate change. Um, and as a part of that review, we met with a number of expert stakeholders, um, including uh, Andrew from, from Soil Capital, um, but also other NGOs and, um, and external experts. Um, and so this summer, um, we, we, on the back of that, we produced a, a, a new and revamped assessment framework, which includes these new metrics on soil health. Um, and then on the back of this assessment framework, we um, um, for the the uh, 2019 engagement cycle with food companies that uh, is just um, coming to a close now that we've held the meetings that we've held uh, during the autumn this is it's super fresh basically yeah exactly so so yeah so uh, on the back of that assessment framework we um uh, we then uh, set up meetings with companies and have started introducing these metrics in our in our conversations with them and started to to ask them to to report against them. So it's it's very very new. Um, so I I can't take credit for for any any new publications that we've seen or sort of any new commitments that we've seen from from companies because we've only just started engaging on this topic in the past six months or so. Um, but I think certainly in the past year um, you, we have seen a change in the level of sophistication uh, in terms of climate um, reporting from food companies um, and in terms of how companies are reporting on the different aspects of their climate strategies, which certainly include soil health. Um, and I think that has a lot to do with the fact that investors, including Algem, um, are, are simply just expecting a higher standard from, from food companies. It's 
you know, I think previously the, the food industry has been able to fly a little bit under the radar uh, in terms of climate change because investors have been focused on um, oil and gas, uh, electric utilities, coal, and so on. Um, and, and now I think both investors and, and food companies are, are coming to the realization that, you know, food is, you know, I don't want to say food is the new oil and gas, but it, it certainly climate change is a key material risk for the sector. And as such, um, we are seeing, I think, a, um, an improvement in, in, in disclosures in this area. Yes, I think a lot of the latest reports of the UN and of the climate committees, etc., really, really showed that without food, obviously oil and gas and energy, but without food and the agriculture sector, we're simply not going to make it. We're not going to get to the, the one and a half degrees or stay under two. And I think slowly that realization comes that there's this huge sector that, that needs to be changed and, and quite fundamentally. And it's a very complex and a very big one, and, and it's not going to be an easy journey. But there are interesting, let's say, streets or angles to take to, and, and one of them obviously is improving soil health. And are you planning, um, let's say, for the, the outside world, so maybe not people that maybe are not directly customers, maybe indirectly they are clients, maybe indirectly they, they are investing through you, but are you planning to release certain things, reports, case studies of, of this engagement? How does that work normally with the engagement? I think it's not so public. Are there certain pieces that are going to be public? Maybe in 2020, are you planning to release something to the outside world on, on the work on soil health that you've been doing? Yeah, so every every year, the way our engagements work is that um, we run our analysis on companies and then um, we have meetings with them to discuss the areas that we have identified as being areas where they can go further or they could improve. Um, and then for those companies where after a significant period of engagement, we don't really see action, we don't see the companies moving for, uh, further on the, the areas that we have identified, those companies are subject to a vote against their chair at the company's next AGM, uh, and the companies also excluded from our ESG range of funds. Um, and in conjunction with this announcement of the divested companies and the companies where we're voting against, we always produce a report summarizing our engagements with, with companies and the, the themes that we're seeing. Um, and we also make a point of, you know, while we're divesting companies and we're voting against uh, the chair if we don't see action on climate change, we also make a really big point of, of also naming and faming the companies that we see as, as setting best practice. Um, and setting an example for their peers and, and being in the vanguard of, of climate change. Um, and so that report is a really good opportunity for us to, to highlight things like soil health, to highlight the food companies that are working on um, measures to improve soil health, working with their supply chain uh, to really think uh, holistically around the, the climate impact and, and the soil health impact of, of their supply chain. Yeah, I want to wrap up this interview, I think, uh, to be conscious of your time as well. And it's a subject we don't hear too much about normally, at least on, on this podcast, as we mostly discuss farms and farmers and direct investments, etc. But obviously, there's a, a gigantic financial sector uh, world and financial institution, institutional investor world out there that is slowly also starting to move after um, the a lot of work you've been doing on climate change, oil and gas, like you mentioned before, and energy, and slowly soil health becomes more and more of a topic. And I think it's extremely interesting to see that and to see the big oil tankers, pun intended, 
to slowly start changing course slightly. And we see sometimes in the news, the big food companies that make certain claims and statements, but it's good to see there are actually people trying to check if they're doing that and to see and to get certain things disclosed as we have been doing with carbon and have been doing with other things. Uh, slowly soil starts to become more important. So I want to thank you for your work and thank you for taking the time to explain something quite complicated to a podcast audience. Great. Thank you very much for having me. My, my pleasure. If you found the Investing in Regenerative Agriculture and Food podcast valuable, there are a few simple ways you can use to support it. Number one, rate and review the podcast on your podcast app. That's the best way for other listeners to find the podcast, and it only takes a few seconds. Number two, share this podcast on social media or email it to your friends and colleagues. Number three, if this podcast has been of value to you, and if you have the means, please join my Patreon community to help grow this platform and allow me to take it further. You can find all the details on patreon.com slash regenerative agriculture or in the description below. Thank you so much and see you at the next podcast.